What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. All right, what is up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley here with the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Show. I have a very special guest with me today. I have Harpal Sambi, who is the former, I guess, founder and CEO of Careerify, which he sold to LinkedIn, and has now is also an angel investor, is now into a new adventure over at which is in stealth mode. So I don't know if we're going to break the internet by telling everybody this right now, but um, of a new company called Magical, which is doing some really cool things. So really happy to have you on today, man. Welcome. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Love the uh, the background that you got rocking. If, you, if you're listening to audio version, you got to check out the video. He's got a nice little hello sign in the background. <laughs> it's, it's, it's- what we do with low tech these days, right? Everyone expects some high tech Zoom backgrounds. I chose the very traditional route of just writing hello. Also, yeah. byproduct of having kids as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. So, uh, why don't you give everybody a little bit of background about yourself? Because you have a really unique journey here, and I love meeting interesting people. We just kind of met actually on LinkedIn organically, and so um, would love to hear your journey and share with everyone kind of how you got to this point. Almost like your superhero ninjas or your superhero origin story, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the superhero origin story, if I were to pick one, probably started at two or three years old. And uh, that specifically was, uh, I was born and raised in Toronto, in Canada, in the suburbs. And I think any it applies to any rural or urban area, right? Where it's like, you know, if you live in the rural area, you go to the city, you're, you're enamored by the big skyscrapers and all the buildings and the amount of people. And I remember vividly, uh, my father and I went down to downtown and uh, I happened to pass a statue and I asked my dad, what is this? Like this is the first time I've ever seen a statue and I, from what I at least recall. And I was just like, why does people make a statue of this person? And though my dad didn't necessarily know who that person was, he kind of came to me in, in an answer and he said, anecdotally, he was like, you know, if you do good things for people and help millions of people, uh, they might consider one day of building a statue. And that premise of not necessarily building a statue, like I, I, I hope no one built a statue of me, but the <laughs> underlying premise of helping an immense amount of people and impacting whether it's a city or a town or a country, the world in any shape or form in, in, in such a way where it it helps you it helps them it, you know past your time that really lasted forever and that kind of kickstarted me into like okay well how do I help millions of people and that's how I kind of got started in my first business in Careerify which was empowering every employee to become a recruiter and the whole kind of premise there was employee referrals like everyone knows someone really good and however it's really difficult for that person to know what job is available at that company, or if those people that are really good are available for a job. So we built out a technology that would connect with the employees, LinkedIn, their Facebook, their Twitter, their social networks, and then say, okay, Ryan, you're connected to um, you know, John or Sally here. 
Um, these are the jobs at your company. Do you think they're a good fit? So we would kind of bring those problem sets and bring them together such that Ryan, the employed in person who could be a star employee, uh, could uh, refer that person in a couple of clicks. And all of a sudden it becomes uh, a win-win-win across all three situations of the employer, the employee, and then of the candidate getting a, a new job. So that's essentially kind of like, um, you know, first business and then the second business, which is um, what you mentioned, which is magical, is currently in stealth. And that whole ambition, which I can talk about, and all three of those, uh, whether it's a superhero story, the 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 uh, Careerify, which was a bootstrap company, and we ended up selling to LinkedIn six years in our journey, uh, got it from zero to a quarter million users um, uh, in eighteen months, and and a couple million revenue, and then uh, we then you know uh, sold it to LinkedIn, uh, then did years of journeys at, in product management, both at LinkedIn and Microsoft. And then uh, just recently became um, uh, went back into entrepreneurship and, and started Magical, which is really focusing on uh, automating, soul um, crushing, destroying tasks that people have that are really repetitive. So that's kind of like where we're at right now. Soul crushing, destroy. Okay, so we're gonna have to get into that later because I just love that soul crushing, destroying tasks. I have a lot of those. Like, I'd love you to automate all of those if that would, that would be cool, man. <laughs> a lot too. Um, and you've showed me it a little bit too, so I got a sneak peek, and it, it looks awesome. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have an open loop, and we're gonna go back to that, right? So everybody can be thinking like, hey, what kind of soul crushing task could I have eliminated? Like, what could that do for my life? And then we'll circle. So if you stay the whole time, you get to hear. What, what those tasks are. So we're going to go back to that. However, yeah. I love, love, love how you kick things off. And I never knew that about you, man. The, the story with the statue and your dad, that's so cool. I love that. How old were you again when that happened? I, it's a very early age to the point where um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I probably kicked and fumbled myself and tripped over my shoelaces like four or five times. Um, I would, I would if I were to guess, um, it's an early memory. So I would say be anywhere between like, three to five, six years old, probably. Okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I can totally see that because like as a, as a little kid, those things just stick with you. Like the seemingly yeah. innocuous little moments or capsules in time that you clearly had with, with your pops. And then that, that reflected on you for the rest of your life. So I love that, man. I mean, I, I think the other thing that's really captivating is this person was on a massive horse so like, and this horse was also like on a statue, like they created a statue of the horse and the the, the gentleman uh, that was on it. So I think that in conjunction really kind of brought me to be like, that's a cool thing. Like, how do I get on a horse, number one? And then why did they build a statue of both the horse and the person? So. That's good, man. Can you still hear me? I had to put myself on mute, which is hard to do when you're hosting the show because I had uh, fire engines just roar, roaring by my house, disrupting the whole thing. So can you hear me? Okay, good. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, the horse thing is a, is a nice aspect. So, um, so would you? So that was a defining moment in your childhood. I mean, like, let's let's fast forward a little bit to clarify, you know, because I think I think you kind of glossed over something amazing that you did that if people weren't listening closely, they might have missed it. So you went from zero to a quarter of a million users in eighteen months. Is what I heard you say, right? With clarify, which is amazing. Um, how did you do that? Like, how, how did that happen? How did you make that a reality? So let's let's take that chunk first. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, it's kind of like what people call overnight success. So I would say that we had several years where we tried 
a lot of things and we, it failed miserably. And I, I would say like the best way of an, an analogy would be like the fresh moment when you, you know, you create a company and you create a brand new website, let's say, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you, you, you launch your website and then you're anticipating hundreds and thousands of people to come to your website and fill out the form and contact you and subscribe to your newsletter. And, you know, you hear crickets a day later, 48 hours later, a week later, a month later, six months later, and you're like, what's going on? And then, you know, we, we then do the, like the verbal, like soul search of going on Google and then saying, you know, inbound marketing is the way to go. So we write a few articles and then we, and that doesn't work. And then we say, oh, trade shows, we go over there and then we do cold calling and then we do different things. And the reality was, is when I found out like none of those things were working, I, I had to look back at what one of my mentors told me in general that I started to apply to sales and marketing, which is in order to be successful, you have to be unconventional. And by unconventional means you cannot be in the middle of the pack you have to be on one end or on the other end of a spectrum. So it's like, you know, if it's a personality type, you, you can either be very loud or you can be very quiet, but don't be in the middle because if you be quiet, you, you know, people will start to listen to you. Maybe if you say a few words that are wise and if you're loud, you know, they'll listen to you. But if you, you're loud a lot of the times and you know, they, they're going to tune you out. Right. So for me, the, the thing that was really apparent was like not to be in the middle of the pack because then all of a sudden it's like a, a you're just like another type of competitor of your thousands of people that you're competing against so what what so that as a result we kind of like I, I looked at like the conventional things that we were doing and the conventional things that our customers were doing or competitors were doing and everyone was doing the same thing right inbound marketing messaging doing some, you know uh, different drifts doing webinars doing different areas and at one point i was just like you know what forget it we're not doing this anymore um and I went back to um, what were what I consider to be the basics, which is people like to do business with people that they trust. Mm-hmm. So if that is the case and that's universal, where forget about people doing business, it's just general in life. Like we, we hang out with people that we like and we trust. How do I create trust with people and how do I create trust with customers? And for me, that ultimately became the product that I was selling, which was employee referrals became a sales engine, which became referrals. And that to us was the advantage where we started to use our own technology to say, okay, if we are going to try to get a customer and Ryan was a customer, can we now give him a solution to then tap into his network? And then for us to be like, Hey, Ryan, like we see Jane here. That is, uh, you know, um, you know, a, a colleague of yours, that's a VP of sales somewhere else. Can you connect us to that person? And all of a sudden, there, there could have been incentivization or maybe just goodwill. Ryan was like, yeah, sure. Um, so we ended up going back into like the referrals aspect. And that for us became, you know, about 65% of our business. And then once that started to happen, we we started to kind of do some growth tactics to really kind of to rev that up even more uh, by conjunct, like combining um, outbound and inbound with the kind of like the, the intelligence that we started to gather about people's networks to then be able to say, okay, let's kind of re- like, get people to 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 accept our call then accept our demos and then eventually get into the point of acquire uh, acquiring that customer so a pause there if you want to, to dissect a little bit more of that 
Yeah, dig deeper, man. I want I love that. I love the concept of it. It's it's something that when I'm believe it or not, when I'm consulting companies, I I educate them on how to exactly do that because there's a lot of opportunity that's sitting right there. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I didn't even know you're going to go down this path. Uh, but I'm even more excited now. So, well, first thing, you, you talked about the uh, the whole aspect of, oh, we got some cabots here. So we're either getting heckled or some love. Um, some folks are like, hey, very valuable info. We're right here. Uh, I don't, I can't see who it is, though. It says uh, it's not to work on that. StreamYard's kind of giving me a hard time. Um, but anyways, uh, so what you're talking about with the different zones, like go to one extreme or the other. Um, you know, I follow Russell Brunson stuff and he calls it the prolific zone, right? So there's like mainstream and then he, he adds another layer to it. He's like, there's two ends of the spectrum and they're like crazy. That's when you're like psychotic crazy. He's like, you don't want to be that person. Yeah. But the prolific zone is kind of what you're talking about, I think, where it's mm-hmm. like do enough to stand out, be different, be sharp, but don't be crazy. <laughs> Would you say that kind of aligns with that? Totally. And I, I think it's like one of those things where, you know, I think a lot of folks in marketing um, and even in sales rely on like email as a channel. But if you look at one person's inbox, it's just it's just littered with a whole bunch of like just cold emails. Right. And they get filtered by Google and Microsoft now as promotion. So you first have to kind of get over the hump of uh, of, of trying to hack your way through um, the the promotion uh, tabs or social tabs of what Google and Microsoft did, and then be able to land into their inbox. Versus like doing um, you know direct mail, where no one's doing direct mail now. And mind you, it's a bit, probably a little bit more difficult in the post pandemic era because you may not know the person's personal email. But like the whole aspect of just writing a note like that is, is um, thanks Google. Um, it, but the, the whole aspect there is, you know, if you just write someone a personal note, cost you no more than a dollar fifty to kind of mail that to that person, that will have a higher conversion rate than sending out an email by like at least a factor of 10. So I, I think that's um, some of the unconventional things that I often look for in order to kind of like kickstart uh, businesses or kind of sales strategies overall. That's kind of how why Sendoso got, I think, started or Alice.com. Are you familiar with those companies at all? Yeah, I'm familiar with Alice, yeah. Gift giving. Mm-hmm. Um, Postal.io, have you heard about them? Mm-hmm. Where they do, I think it's like handwritten notes at scale <laughs> with a with a robot arm, which is, you know, uh, hey, to each its own, right? Um, <laughs> but, um, and then let's talk a little bit about the referrals. So you leverage kind of the same kind of referral system to scale revenue. And I, yeah. I literally just did a podcast on this, man. So it's like perfect timing. It was last week. And sorry about that noise. Um, you know, can, you, can you hear that? The noise in the outside at all or no? Uh, vaguely, but it's... Vaguely? Just, okay. Yeah. Sounds like it's right in my ear, like someone's sawing down a tree. So anyways, I'll just keep ignoring it if you can't hear it. So um, yeah, and basically Dropbox did... That was one of their key strategies. So... They grew from 100,000 users to 4 million, 18 months. And that's because they integrated referrals into their onboarding process. Yeah. So something simple like that. So um, so what you're, can you just walk me through a little bit more about what you guys did? I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think situationally we were at the right time because in 20, uh, 2012 to 2014, um, that era, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter kind of had like an open policy of like first three connections. So if you get Ryan to authenticate with your network, 
mm-hmm. you'd be able to get his entire network uh, as well. So you would get like essentially kind of like meta pieces of data that Ryan is connected to Harpal and here's Harpal's information. Um, so what we we started to do is naturally we started to ask like one of our customers and we're like, hey, do you like the product? And they were like, yeah, we love the product. And we're like, would you refer the product to, to your folks? And he was like, yeah, but like, it's really difficult for me to do that because I don't know who your customer is. So we tried to then say, okay, like, how do we get Ryan, who's our customer, to kind of very quickly, you know, send this off? And one thing could be you just, you know, just do a, a tweet or a share and that might land. But, you know, what's a lot more precise is if we were to kind of understand Ryan's network and be able to say, these are the two or three people and here are the one or three bullet points that you can write that are very, very relevant for that person. So it's basically kind of like telegraphing what Ryan should be saying and basically sending it to Ryan such that it's a click of a button for him. So that worked really well. And now it's very difficult to do that now because those APIs are unavailable. So, you know, I think a lot of it is lock and serendipitous. And, but I think the, the underarching kind of thing is looking at the unconventional because again, People were mainly doing emails and not APIs. And if you were to look at APIs of, of certain platforms, you could get advantages where you, you don't necessarily have to, you go beyond just like the way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a good example would be like Craigslist and Airbnb, right? Back before that was unmoderated, uh, Airbnb leveraged Craigslist to kind of do a whole bunch of postings. And the moment that someone was like, hey, I'm interested in, in, in renting this, they would say, come on to Airbnb. Um, but they were able to leverage that platform. So that's really good if you have engineers, uh, but let's talk about not engineer time strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we kind of furthered on with referrals is, okay, let's say we got a big name brand and we ended up getting a, a pretty big name brand in the form of Deloitte. Deloitte's a big four consulting firm. Um, and by far, by, you know, generally people are, are in the strategy practice, they will kind of be a networked really well with one another but they ultimately want to learn from their alma mater as well. So what we ended up doing is they said, okay, a simple search on LinkedIn, which was like past company, you know, Deloitte, here are the talent acquisition leaders because we were in HR tech. So we were selling to HR professionals. So we limited our search, but we just did like a, a really defined search of like, this is a customer that is our current customer. There is a high likelihood that they would be intrigued of what their current customer, what their alma mater is doing. Uh, and that in itself had like a, a solid 7x like increase in, in, in conversion rates of like email responses and email responses overall. I remember once we ran a, uh, we, we were able to kind of run a script on this. And again, LinkedIn has a lot of bots. I used to work at LinkedIn, so I don't recommend and advocate for this as well. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that we did at that time was we, we, we were able to gather, you know, several thousands of ex Deloitte professionals and uh, be able to then say, okay, let's correlate this with emails and then shoot them that note. And we ended up having like several hundred of them on a, a webinar on our first blast, which is really unusual, like the conversion ratios. So I, I think it's just really about like answering the question of like, okay, how do you build trust? Uh, especially if you to someone that's unknown, um, it's usually through people or it's through affinity through brands. And if you can get one of those angles, then you should be able to kind of, you know, and depending on how strong that affinity is, that that allows you to kind of have a more warmer conversation with that individual. So it wasn't rocket science, in my opinion. Um, But that being said, it it helped us kind of grow really quickly. And then the other tactics are land and expand. Like, I think this is just more of a, you know, why try to sell your, your, 
you know, a, a, a product or a service to the entire company when you can just go small to a smaller department. And if your dollars are less and it's not much work, then people like to try before they buy. So I think those two strategies in conjunction really helped because, you know, while we landed in a, a, cust- a company like Unilever, as an example, we then were able to expand from like a couple hundred users to like 10,000 users, like within six months. Um, so I think those are like the two real strong ta- tactics that we leverage and linked uh, at Careerify that allowed us to kind of like grow pretty quickly. Excellent, man. I love that. I love all those things. Those are great ideas and obviously very actionable and executable. Uh, and it sounds like you hit on them at the right time when the APIs are available. So um, great work there. And I guess like now, now let's shift gears a little bit, man. Tell, tell me about, you know, how do we eliminate soul crushing tasks? Like, how does that happen? Because I'd love to hear a little bit about what's cooking at Magical now. Because, I mean, we didn't even get into, I mean, you, once again, you soft sold this. So after you sold Careerify, right? Yeah. So LinkedIn, you stayed on LinkedIn. You're on their product team. Yeah. Right? And then you even helped with the transition to Microsoft, right? Yep. Yeah. So you had a whole other journey there. I guess before we just jump over that, anything, um, I guess, like, for you throughout that time frame, what was like, I mean, the single biggest thing you learned and the most amazing moment you had when you were there? So first off, I mean, both those companies are exceptionally talented. So I think in itself, uh, LinkedIn and Microsoft have like the one of the best product teams and personnel and senior leadership. So I think in it in itself, I learned so many different leadership moments. I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, um, one, as a small business owner, you, you build a startup, or even if you're at a small business, you don't realize how difficult it is to make a deal. Um, so that in itself is really revealing where you have like the other end of the spectrum, where if you're trying to sell it to big business and you've never been in big business, the challenge that that ultimately has, and then understanding the layers, um, sometimes the bureaucracy that ends up happening uh, and the decision of them not going with you could be kind of completely side railed by an executive sponsor for something else. Like there's so many different ways of permutation. So as a result, I think, you know, for me now, when I think about sales into larger businesses or marketing or trying to build relationships with these, um, these larger companies, it's like no hard feeling before it was like a personal chit where I would fail. And I was like, I lost this account. But then you seldom real, don't realize unless if you are lucky to you know talk to that decision maker again to like truly understand those reasons of why you failed, and some of them are out of your control. So as a result, I feel like my personal demeanor has become a lot more zen-like. I would say where it's like okay, like if I lost a deal, I lost a deal. It's it's okay, but it, it's allowed me to also um, understand how to kind of triage and get into deals such that I don't lose deals to begin with. Uh, because now you know the, the how they could be thinking about it and evolving it. So I think that's just like first and key learning. But I, I think outside of that, it was really, um, I think on Microsoft, the the sheer partner ecosystem was just phenomenal. Like, I think it's like for every $20, so $1 that Microsoft makes, $20 their partners make. And to build a partner ecosystem and having that reliance of partners reselling your product or your services that is very untapped for a lot of businesses today. So it's like, it, it gave me a, a better sense there. And then the second one, which was, you know, again, with Microsoft and LinkedIn, I, I was very, uh, I was uh, very lucky to be part of some of the corp dev stuff and, 
in, in evaluation of things. For me, it was like, okay, corp dev can be done at a lower scale. It doesn't have to be buying a big company like Microsoft buying LinkedIn or LinkedIn buying Linda uh, for billions of dollars. It's more of like, well, if I want to buy, um, you know, do, do user acquisition, can I buy a blog post? And not many small business owners or people that are in zero to 250, like in terms of employee size, think about that as a, as a way to buy, do asset deals for user acquisition. Um, or conversely, um, you know, small aqua hires or acquisitions overall, like they think it's done only for the, the, the big folks, like the big, big companies. And I think that's just like a, a under leverage resource. It does take a lot of time and resource and, 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 and you have to be smart with it. But at that same time, if you do it properly, um, it could become an advantage for you in the long haul. So I, I think that's something that I've learned in terms of like a couple key points, um, just like, you know, selling patterns, uh, learning from web smart people that have ultimately 60% of my new team is uh, from LinkedIn and from Microsoft. Uh, and then uh, it's also just like the sheer partner ecosystem. And then, you know, finally kind of thinking about like unconventional ways of just growing the business. A lot of good stuff there, man. I mean, so for number one, I could relate to exactly what you're talking about because we sold a, you know, when I was a VP of enterprise sales or strategic accounts, we built that enterprise team from scratch. So, um, however, you know, there was a lot of wins that we got. However, there were some losses and, you know, we had an opportunity that we worked on for two years. It was like a $20 million or $18 million deal. And we were an RFP against 32 people. And, And we were a finalist, one of the final two. And we lost, you know, we were the first loser, right? We we're in second yeah. place. And the reason for that was because of the fact that there was one person, um, a manager level, wasn't even a vice president or senior vice president level that was involved in the decision process and did not, we didn't have any exposure, didn't even know the person was there. And yeah. we got blindsided because they just, they just ran through the wall for the other provider. Yeah. And so like, that's like what you're saying with those big deals, like just, and that, that isn't even a purchase. That's just a sit, like a sell, not like buying a company. Right. Yeah. So I can imagine you got situations like that where someone, it doesn't, somebody that maybe feels threatened or they, you know, there's just like there's champions or saboteurs in every deal is the way I kind of think about it. Right. There's yeah. There's the people that are for you. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think it all boils down to like, you want to work with people you trust and you like, right? Which kind of boils down to recruiting and sales and personally how you build your your life. And uh, same thing when it comes to acquisition, I would say for a lot, lot of part, like some of the deals that I looked at, if we didn't like the people, we, even though their technology was great, we'd be like, no, it's, it's, it's the whole thing about like, you want an A team and B idea, right? So you, you kind of continue to stress that and, you know, if you see yourself working with this person for two, three, four years and great, if you can't, then you might think twice. Right. And um, it, it happens with like not building that relationship with the people that will heavily influence your decision to begin with their own manager level or um, tangentially somewhere else within the chain. Yeah. Um, no, that's smart, man. And then like with what you're talking about of, of user acquisition, can you give me an example of a smaller company executing on that principle? Um, I mean, I 
like I assume you mean something like kind of what HubSpot did with the hustle, how they bought them. Um, is that what you're referring to where they bought like a newsletter basically to yeah acquisition? Totally. I mean, I, I think there are so many um, under leveraged assets out there that um, one should just look at. Right. And I think it's all about like, where are your buyers today? Whether your buyer is an individual or conversely, it's like, um, you know, they're on a newsletter, they're on a blog. And I think what the traditional thing is, is like, let's sponsor this, this blog uh, or this conference. The re- reality is, is if you look at their revenues, they're very seasonal or they're very dry. So it's like, okay, like instead of sponsoring and being one of, why not just buy the entire thing for like a purchase price of like a couple of multiples more of what you would probably spend on, on sponsorship, right? Or like uh, if you look at the, re- you ask on the revenues and you, it's usually going to be like, a, you know, maybe it's a one and a half to two and a half X potentially, depending on your negotiation skills, right? Um, so like, I, I think that is something that a lot of people just like forget. And, you know, if you can get an asset that has like, that's like par- like in parallel or is, um, has a lot of overlap with your, your potential customer base and, um, you know, let that be independent because I think, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing just to rip and replace and put your brand in and just amalgamate. Like in my opinion today with social, you kind of want to like ideally have ensure that the users, uh, and that, that the entity and asset you're buying to ultimately continue to live the way that it is, because that's where it, it, it created success. Um, so you don't want to destroy that immediately, but like, I, I think that's something that, you know, people could really quickly have that conversation with and be surprised that a lot of these people might want to just like let go of this asset of, they don't want to write for the next three years doing the same thing over and over again. Like a side passion has become more and more now and it's mm-hmm. taking away from them. So like, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities there and, you know, your example of um, HubSpot is, is spot on where you can kind of like purchase um, blogs or assets uh, for user acquisition purposes. That's great, man. Really, really good insights. Uh, so let's talk about because we're we're getting we're getting up there on time. Let's talk about magical a little bit. What are the soul crushing tasks that 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 magical is helping eliminate? And just just talk us talk us through that a little bit, man. I'd love to hear. Yeah, I mean the the ambition came from uh, it, it's twelve years in making, which is my kind of like my entire kind of like career, uh, and then some afterwards. In addition, when I was a student, but like. Ever had that moment where you looked at a computer after doing some repetitive tasks and you're like, why can't a computer do this? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Everybody. Yeah. And that that to me was just like on my mind continuously because like I used to do that at Careerify as a salesperson, as a product person, as a recruiter, uh, I, as a janitor, whatever tasks that I had, I, I, I had a lot of repetitive tasks. Then I went to, to LinkedIn and I had the unique ability of seeing how users interacted with LinkedIn, like sales folks, recruiters, they often kind of like leverage LinkedIn at, at, at mass in order to kind of like connect with people and try to get contact information and all that stuff. Um, and I continually looked at this stuff and I was just like, we are, you know, w- though we are very unique uh, as individuals, our processes can be summed up in like a a, a few ways in a handful of frameworks, right? You're, you're selling, you could be inbound, outbound, you could be doing some aggressive tactics, not aggressive tactics, but we're all kind of coming back to like the same fundamental nuts and bolts. Um, and the, 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 the task that I, I asked myself was like, well, if, if we are sourcing and sourcing is 
can be applicable to sales, can be applicable to recruiting, can be applicable to like vertical real estate and so on. Um, why can't we just like, you know, automate this process where we take information and, you know, we go from one site and then we go to another site, we copy paste things or we, we you know, we, we do uh, row entries, we do form fills and all this stuff could just be automated because we, though we care about Ryan today, uh, and we're taking his information from you know a, a site, and then we're putting it into a, a spreadsheet or a system. And then three minutes from now, we're going on Lucy's information. It's still the same thing that we're extracting over and over again, which is like the person's name or their company or their email or whatever. So what Magical does is it, it's um, very much a product that kind of learns and studies, and it basically sees what Ryan is doing, and then one day we'll say, hey, Ryan, like, can I just do this task for you? And that's kind of like the ambition. Uh, so the goal here is to kind of like remove the soul crushing tasks uh, from an individual's lives where they can really love the things that they do, right? Like when you talk to a salesperson, they love to sell. They don't love to fill in Salesforce. Uh, yeah. you talk to a marketer, like they love to come up with ideas to kind of come up with like the best value proposition and kind of convert MQLs and 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 get the funnel going for for sales and for the company, but they don't want to put in a whole bunch of AdWords in Google over and over again um, to do a whole bunch of m- tedious tasks. So that's what Magical is all about. Um, you know, it's still in stealth, uh, but you can sign up on getmagical.com and uh, you know hopefully we'll we'll start to open up the rafters a little bit more on that. Nice, yeah, and I, I've seen it firsthand. It's- it's amazing, and um, I can see a lot of folks' souls being lifted once they uh, apply it. I mean, I, I actually – that was one of the things. I wrote a post about this. was right before the pandemic, and um, I think it was – it was basically – it was specifically talking about the example you mentioned with salespeople, and it was basically that salespeople essentially spent only 30% of their time selling, right? Mm. And the, the, the other two main components or buckets – 30% was that was traveling, which, as you know, that got knocked out for most folks with a few exceptions. But the other 40% was repetitive tasks. Right. Like, and that was that was taken from like a survey. I, I mean, I found it. It was taken from a survey of like, I'll, I mean, it was a large sample size. So it's legit. But that aligns directly with what you're talking about, man. And it's a real simple, easy solution that could knock out a massive chunk of someone just wasted. And that's truth be told, that's why people don't, that's why sales reps do not use CRMs. Yeah. They, they hate being like a data entry person because they totally. It's totally is, is like in direct opposition to them as a person and their, their being. So yeah, <laughs> I think you're cooking with gas there, man. I think there's something that'll uh, definitely take off. I'm really excited to, uh, Share that. We can actually, if you're up for it, man, we can put it in the show notes as well if you want people to check it out. Yeah. Um, feel free to um, you know, reference getmagical.com. Um, uh, and uh, love for anyone just to kind of check it out. Well, um, feel free to just like write, um, you know, whale boss or anything like that. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look at you guys and uh, start to add you uh, and get you off the waiting list. Cool. Well, um, so we're, we're up on time, but I just want to ask you, where can people find you? Where can they find more about Magical? I know you just dropped the link. Is there anything else um, that you could share so that people could find, connect, and learn more? Yeah, I'm here to serve uh, people. So um, you can find me on uh, Twitter, on LinkedIn, 
Um, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn are both uh, first letter, last name. So H S A M Sam B H I H Sam B. Um, you know, those are two good channels. Or if you prefer to just shoot me a note, um, you know, it's a uh, harpal at getmagical.com. So I, I'm more than happy to sh- chat and uh, be of help and service to anyone. Excellent, man. Well, as always, it's a pleasure. Whenever I talk to you, I always leave with a smile. Um, and it was really, really great hearing your insights and just hearing your journey, man. Like, I know we've talked a couple of times, but I've heard, I, you know, I learned a lot about you today and uh, really excited about where you're going and what you're doing and who you're helping. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a blast and I've learned a lot as well. I appreciate <laughs> your time and energy, Ryan. <laughs> All right, Art Paul. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.